Good morning, Elevation. Well, here we are. It's the first long weekend of summer. It's going to be a different long weekend than we're used to, but one thing I can pretty much guarantee is that we're going to get wet because that's what the long weekend of May is all about. I think that way anyways, because back in the day before Melissa and I had children, we would go on a camping trip to Allegheny State Park in Pennsylvania with friends of ours. It was actually a pretty short-lived tradition because every year we went, it would rain. So much so that we named the trip Rainy Allegheny and eventually we just stopped going. Rain is part of the long weekend, but we experienced something weather-wise this last week that is not normally part of mid-May. When I woke up on Monday morning, I took a picture looking out in my backyard to send to my family who live in Bolivia, and this is what we saw. Um, anyone who lives in southwestern Ontario would have seen something very similar this week. But the crazy thing about this photo is that the very next day, I took the exact same picture in the same location, and this is what I saw outside my window. Now, if you hadn't seen it for yourself, it would be pretty hard to believe that the weather could shift that dramatically. But having the experience, seeing it with our own eyes, it makes the believing part actually easy. In a similar way, the experiencing of faith is what really animates our belief. My goal as a pastor isn't to have you believe things so much as to provide guidance along a trusting way of life that makes the believing part easy. But in order to do that, we have to learn how to live by faith. Dallas Willard translates Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 this way, Rethink your life in light of the fact that the kingdom of the heavens is now open to all. So we might want to ask a question like this. What would my life look like if I lived as though the kingdom of heaven was open to all? Or we could think back to the call to worship that we began our service with today. Imagine a world with a, infused with the presence of God. What if we asked, what would my life look like if I lived as if the world were infused with the presence of God? Well, this month, we're looking at the lives of three women from different eras and different parts of the world who applied the way of Jesus in the circumstances of their lives. Part of the reason we do a series like this is that we want to see how others lived out their faith and how that can help make it easier for us to imagine doing the same in our own circumstances. In March of 1822, Harriet Tubman was born in Dorchester County, Maryland. She was born into slavery. Just saying those words feels so wrong. As I read about her background, her backstory, I read that her maternal grandmother arrived in the United States on a slave ship from Africa, possibly from the Asante people in modern day Ghana. When I read this part of uh, Harriet Tubman's biography, I was struck because I was actually just finishing up a book last week called Homegoing by the author Yagyasi. And in this book, it tells the story of two branches of a family tree, two young girls and the, their generations that followed them growing up. And there are tales in this book about slave ships traveling from Africa to the U.S. There are tales about people growing up on plantations in the southern U.S. And so I'm reading this work of fiction alongside Harriet Tubman's biographies, and I'm realizing just it's all coming to life for me. When I was reading this book and as I was thinking about these stories, there was this verse from Genesis chapter 6 that was ringing for me. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It's such an extreme statement, and yet when I think about certain parts of history or certain parts of the world today, it does seem like every inclination of the human heart is to evil. 
If Julian of Norwich, who we were introduced to last week, spent 40 years confined in a room by choice, Harriet Tubman was enslaved on a Maryland plantation by force. She did not choose her confinement, but she was born into it. By the age of five years old, Tubman was ordered to care for a white woman's baby, rocking its cradle. And whenever the baby would wake up and cry, as babies do, Harriet would be whipped. Once, she tells a story, she was whipped five times before breakfast because the baby wouldn't stop crying. She would carry the scars on her body for the rest of her life, but she would carry some other things with her too. Harriet Tubman's mother in one occasion had a confrontation with a slave owner. The slave owner was trying to sell one of her mother's sons, so one of Harriet's brothers, and her mother confronted the slave owner saying, you are after my son, but the first man that comes into my house, I will split his head open. Biographers agree that this story sowed seeds of resistance in a young Harriet, proving her to her that you can stand up against these slave owners. But it was Tubman herself who ended up suffering a traumatic head wound. On one occasion, her slave owner intended to throw a heavy iron object at another slave, but he missed and it ended up hitting Harriet in the head, cracked her skull. She experienced significant dizziness, pain, and spells of hyperinsomnia where she just fell asleep all the time. And this followed her throughout her life. In her youth, Tubman began experiencing strange visions and vivid dreams, which she received as messages from God. These experiences led to a deepening of her faith. Although Tubman was illiterate, she was told Bible stories by her mother and likely attended a Methodist church with her family. That being said, she rejected the New Testament teachings that urged slaves to be obedient and found guidance instead in the Old Testament tales of deliverance, a perspective that informed her actions throughout her life. At one point, Tubman began to pray for her owner, asking God to make him change his ways. I prayed all night for my master till the first of March, and all the time he was bringing people to look at me and trying to sell me. Then I changed my prayer. First of March, I began to pray, Oh Lord, if you ain't never going to change that man's heart, kill him, Lord, and take him out of the way. Now, it sounds like a pretty aggressive prayer, but it's one that can actually be found throughout the Psalms, which is the Bible's book of prayers. Deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Bring them down with your sword, rescue me from the wicked. Let death take my enemies by surprise. A week later, her owner died, and Tubman expressed regret for her earlier sentiments, perhaps regretting the prayers that she had prayed. But prayer was a part of her life, one point she says, Peers like I have prayed all the time, but my work, everywhere, I prayed and groaned to the Lord. In our series here, Harriet is sandwiched between two famously religious women. And while Tubman isn't primarily known for her faith, it was the driving force in her life. She talked about consulting with God and trusted that he would keep her safe. Like the proverb says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When Harriet reflected on her experience, she said about that she would, all the things she would accomplish in her life, she would say, "'Twasn't me, twas the Lord. I always told him, I trust to you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me.'" And he always did. Someone once said of Tubman, "'I never met with any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God as spoken direct to her soul.'" Like Julian of Norwich, Harriet received messages from God. And as I was reflecting on the similarity, I thought, well, does this put these women out of reach for us? Many of us wouldn't think that we hear from God. 
But the other thing I thought is that maybe it reminds us that we too can hear from God. Harriet Tubman was five foot nothing, illiterate and bound in slavery. And God spoke to her and used her in incredible ways. And he can do the same for us. Tubman once said, there was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. And so it was on September the 17th, 1849, that Harriet crossed the Pennsylvania state line and escaped from slavery. I'd like to read a passage from the New Testament letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Harriet Tubman refused to believe that she was worth less than those who bound her. And so she risked everything for the freedom to live that way. On the day before she ran away, she sang a coded farewell song to a fellow slave named Mary. I'll meet you in the morning. I'm bound for the promised land. Tubman made the 145 kilometer journey by foot at night and in extreme secrecy, guided only by the North Star, trying to avoid the slave catchers who were eager to collect cash rewards. If you hear the dogs, keep going, she would say. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. The people were after her. I found a clip of a newspaper ad that was offering a $100 reward, which would be more than $3,000 in today's currency, for the capture of the escaped slaves, including Harriet Tubman. Again, the human heart was only evil all the time. How is it that people could dedicate themselves and profit financially from taking advantage of someone else who was just seeking freedom. But it wasn't only a past tense saying. It's not that the human heart was only evil all the time. It still happens today. 170 years later, in Brunswick, Georgia, a 25-year-old unarmed black man named Ahmad Arbery was ambushed while jogging in broad daylight and killed by two white men. It took over two months before they were arrested. Tubman's world was such a different world than ours, but it wasn't an entirely different world. She continues reflecting on her escape to freedom, saying, when I found I had crossed that line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. Paul would later write in Gal to the Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, to be clear, Paul was not talking about the kind of slavery that Harriet Tubman endured. But if I were ever to advise someone to take the Bible out of context, this might be the verse. Because of course, God doesn't want anyone to be under the yoke of slavery. And I can imagine the Spirit of God whispering these words as a reminder to her as she was running through those woods. But Harriet's mind wasn't only on securing her own freedom. She continues saying, I was a stranger in a strange land. My home, after all, was down in Maryland because my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and friends were there. But I was free and they should be free. 
The story came to life for me a few months ago when our family watched the 2019 movie Harriet, which is her life story. It's a great movie and it documents her return to Maryland after becoming free. She goes back to where she was enslaved, where slowly one group at a time, she guided dozens of other slaves to freedom. Tubman made some 13 missions to rescue approximately 70 enslaved people. And as part of the network known as the Underground Railroad, she provided specific instructions to more than 50 additional fugitives who eventually escaped from slavery. I was the conductor of the Underground Railroad for eight years, she writes, and I can say what most conductors can't say. I never ran my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. Because of her efforts, she was nicknamed Moses, setting her people free. And as she led fugitives across the border, she would call out, Glory to God and Jesus too, one more soul is safe. As Paul would write in another of his New Testament letters, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Harriet Tubman was fearless in the face of evil. And while most of us will never have to face such stark evil, we can follow her example and stand up to it wherever we do find it. And we can play our part in bringing people to freedom along the tracks of our own lives. Now, it's about time we get to this morning's reading from Philemon, this little book tucked in the New Testament that begins this way. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Onesimus was a slave owned by Philemon, who had left Colossae and had landed in Rome, in all likelihood hoping to get lost in the crowds as he escaped into freedom. At some point, though, he encountered some Christians in Rome. He became a follower of Jesus himself and eventually found himself in the company of Paul. And so the aim of this short letter is to return Onesimus to Philemon and to ask the slave owner to forgive his runaway slave's wrongdoing, all based on an appeal to Philemon's faith. Although in Christ... I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Now Harriet Tubman scoffed at Paul's passive acceptance of slavery, but then she might have missed something in the radical nature of his apparently gentle challenge to Philemon. One commentator says the word emancipation seems to be trembling on his lips, and yet he does not once utter it. Instead, Paul writes, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding. You see, Philemon was both a Christian and a slave owner. And Paul's written words cut to the core of what it meant for him to be a follower of Jesus. It means something for us to follow Jesus. It meant something for Philemon. It means something for us. I came across this quote from Alice Cooper this week. Uh, he released a song this weekend uh, about kind of having hope in the midst of this pandemic. Um, so he was on my mind. Alice Cooper, if you're not familiar, the great uh, 70s shock rock godfather. Uh, he once wrote that drinking beer is easy. Trashing your hotel room is easy. But being a Christian, that's a tough call. That's rebellion. Now, if nothing else, it's a rebellion against our impulses to put our own interests first. I think we're getting some practice in that during this pandemic life. We're being asked to make sacrifices for the sake of our wider community. And some of us don't think the sacrifices are worth it. Some of us don't want to make the sacrifices. Really, at the end of the day, I guess we could look at this pandemic situation as an exercise in discipleship. It's a test. Are we willing to put the needs of others before ourselves? 
There's so many differences between Harriet Tubman's world and our own, yet some truths are evergreen. Followers of Jesus are still asked to take risks for the sake of others. At one point, Tubman reached out to a prominent abolitionist leader named Frederick Douglass and asked him to share his reflections on the work she had done. He responded this way in a letter, the difference between us is very marked. Most that I have done and suffered in the service of our cause has been public, and I have received much encouragement at every step of the way. You, on the other hand, have labored in a private way. I have wrought in the day, you in the night. The midnight sky and the silent stars have been the witnesses of your devotion to freedom and of your heroism. Excepting John Brown, I know of no one who has willingly encountered more perils and hardships to serve our enslaved people than you have. I was attending a conference this past week, virtually, of course, and one of the presenters had a t-shirt on with this image that I'll share with you. It's a picture of Jesus with a bunch of superheroes, some of the Avengers gang and others, and they're all sitting there and they're all leaning in and they're listening intently to him. And he just has this little speech bubble that says, and that's how I saved the world. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Harriet's final trip was to retrieve her aging parents, bringing them across the Canadian border to St. Catharines, Ontario, where she lived and cared for them for the next 10 years. When the US Civil War broke out, Harriet became the first woman to lead an armed expedition, guiding a raid that liberated, liberated more than 700 more slaves. In her final years, she was active in the push to give women the right to vote until illness overtook her and she was ultimately admitted to a home for the elderly, poor people of color that she had helped establish a number of years earlier. Let's just take stock for a second here. She was a leader in the Underground Railroad. She was an activist for abolition of slavery. She was a commander in the Civil War. She fought for women's suffrage. She was an advocate for elder care, investing what meager possession she had to care for others who were in worse situation than she was. It's because of all of this that Harriet Tubman was able to say during her last visit with a friend in 1913, I am at peace with God and all mankind. Tubman died of pneumonia in 1913. And just before she died, she told those in the room, quoting the Gospel of John, I go to prepare a place for you. Close with this thought. Some of you may have heard about an effort that was begun a number of years ago to have Harriet Tubman put on the US $20 bill, moving President Andrew Jackson, who was a slave owner himself, to the rear of the bill. Uh, so the picture that I have here is a mock-up of what that bill might look like. Uh, but a while ago, US Treasury, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin said, that it wasn't going to happen. He said, people have been on the bills for a long period of time. This is something we'll consider. Right now, we have a lot more important issues to focus on. It's an interesting statement. In a sense, I think Tubman would agree. I think the U.S. Treasury Secretary and Tubman would have different ideas of what those important issues are. But she was the kind of person who wouldn't have wanted the attention on herself and would have been happy to say, I've got more important work to do. Tubman lived her life for others in the pattern of Jesus 
And she's an inspiration for us to find ways to do it in our own lives and in our own circumstances. Let us pray. God, we are grateful for the great examples of faith. Men and women down through the years who have tried to follow in the pattern of Jesus, a selfless life, a sacrificial life, being willing to lay down and risk their very lives so that people could experience freedom. Freedom not only from slavery, but freedom from every kind of oppression in our world. God, I pray that we wouldn't just read a story like this or hear about a life like this and, and applaud or, or nod and encouragement, but that it would inspire us to think about what can we do for others in our own lives? How can we take risks for the sake of the betterment of others? How can we, like Jesus, be willing to lay down our lives for our friends, our neighbors, the people around us in our community? God, I ask that your spirit would speak to us like you spoke to Harriet Tubman and so many people. I ask that you would inspire us, that you would give us courage in the face of fear, that you would remind us that faith is something that needs to be lived out. We invite you to empower us to live out our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been great to have you joining with us here this morning once again online. As we do each week, we want to invite you to take part in our neighbors groups, a post-sermon discussion about the themes that I've introduced here this morning, as well just a check-in to see how people are doing. If you're visiting with us and you're not formally in a neighbors group, we'd invite you to click the link in the comments section and you'll be able to join our group. I'll let you in. Uh, I'd like to just send you off into the week. Hope everyone has a wonderful week. Enjoy this little bit of a long weekend. We have rain or shine. Peace to you.